Welcome to episode 57 of the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Dan Strafford. Today, we're kicking off our new mini-series entitled The Skill of Financial Acumen. In this series, we're going to explore the importance of developing the key future-facing skill of financial acumen within individuals and teams. Of course, to do that, we have to talk to Dr. Andrew Tempty. Andy, good to see you. How you been? Yeah, doing great. I'm really excited about this particular episode and this series. Uh, I'm a, you know, I grew up in the world of finance, right. uh, finance PhD Cut from the teeth. University of Iowa. So I'm really interested in in this uh, in this in this particular topic. Absolutely, and uh, you know, just from a personal standpoint, I wish I had grown up in in that world because the financial realities of owning a home. They come at you quick, uh, but we can talk about that at a different time. Uh, Andy, before we start talking and before we dive into financial acumen, I guess this is tangential or parallel. Uh, you were talking about your work with the United Way and philanthropy. I'd love to hear more about that. And I think it connects to what we're discussing today in a lot of ways. So w- what exactly do you have going on here in, in 2022 and 2023? Yeah, you know, I, I philanthropy is part of your financial plan, uh, giving back to your community, both with your time and your dollars, uh, you know that's it's an important part of of anyone's uh, individual uh, financial plan or or a company's financial plan. So my wife Linda and I, we are the 2022-2023 campaign co-chairs for the United Way fundraising uh, season here in the Greater La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, area. So, uh, you know, we're, this will be a video podcast. I've got my Live United shirt on uh, today. And, you know, just just a couple of seconds uh, to a call to action for our listeners. If you haven't already done so, uh, you know, go to the HR department in your company and ask if they're running a campaign. And if they're running a campaign for the United Way, fill out the, the sheet for the automatic uh, payroll deduction, and at least give the minimum of a dollar a week. Uh, you know, it that is uh, give two dollars a week by any metric. That's less than what you paid on coffee just this morning. So. Even if you had it at home at this rate, I mean, that's, right. that is very true. So. Right. You know, and it's all about starting that yep. muscle, getting that muscle going of of giving back and the United Way is such a great way to do it. Also, anything that can come out of my paycheck before I see it, (laughs) the better off I am. So health insurance, uh, life insurance, any deduct, anything. So I like the idea of the payroll direct rather than Money in my hands. They're 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 toys to buy, Andy. They're toys to buy. But uh, and it's, so, and it's we, one of those deductions that right? may, helps you feel good. Uh, it's right. probably the only deduction. Right. You know, <laughs> everything else is taxes and insurance and everything yep. else. This is like the only deduction that you go, oh yeah, cool. I helped people with that uh, four dollars this uh, this paycheck that I didn't that's what, get. Yeah, that's I absolutely right. And I think. Uh, I've been donating in a variety of ways in my adult life. Even when I was a kid, my mom put that into us very early of giving back, even though we didn't have much, um, finding ways to do things or, or donate. So yeah. uh, good on you. Good on your wife. I think it's great to to be involved. And uh, to anyone listening, uh, takes an email, takes a, a search of your intranet to see what's going on and, and what you can do uh, for uh, a charity like the United Way. Transitioning to the topic at hand, which is 
involved in that sort of the money, the the ideas, how we uh, understand finances and and planning in that way and future facing uh, skills that you've talked about in the Balancing Act. Of course, your book available uh, across all of the different uh, book outlets out there. You talk about four key future facing skills. Can you summarize for those who are either new or for those who haven't specifically read the book that list uh, as you wrote uh, in the Balancing Act? Yeah, look, there's, you know, we're in the midst of a reskilling revolution as, you know, we've had a number of episodes uh, on on that. And so there are, you know, dozens and dozens of uh, skills that we could potentially be talking about today. Uh, in my book, I, I narrow it down to a subset of four that are just absolutely fundamental uh, to your future in the world of work and, frankly, your future a- at home. And the first is the whole portfolio of human skill. I'm kind of cheating here a little bit by uh, taking a, a whole portfolio of things like empathy and uh, its cousin, compassion, uh, its grown-up cousin, uh, compassion, uh, and you know, emo- and a whole emotional intelligence uh, toolkit, uh, communication, uh, vulnerability. You know, these are all uh, human skills that are essential. Uh, in uh, in the world of work, so I lump that all together. That you need to grow your human skill set. So that's number one. Number two is financial acumen, and I'm you know I'm not uh, I'm not saying you have to be a financial expert. We're we're saying uh, financial acumen. Uh, next comes business acumen, very closely related, uh, but uh, but separate. And then finally, data or digital uh, literacy and. Uh, and, and again, I'm talking about literacy. I'm talking about acumen. I'm not talking about expertise necessarily. This is all in service of just having a base level understanding of what everybody around you is, is talking about. The, the way when we discussed this episode and uh, notes came back and forth was uh, understanding a language, but maybe not mastering it, right? Like the idea of being able to understand some Spanish or understand some Japanese, uh, to, to be able to be somewhat conversant in yeah. not being a master at it, but building that base level to then scaffold on top of it. Why Why these four though? Like why, why did you narrow it down to these four uh, really key future-facing skills? Well, the language of business is finance and accounting. Uh, Your business is described uh, by the numbers and by the ratios and how this uh, key performance inner uh, key performance indicator interacts with uh, another key performance indicator. Uh, And so on the financial and accounting side, uh, you're for all intents and purposes lost uh, in uh, many conversations in the business world uh, if you don't understand the basics of how your financials are together, put together. And, and probably most importantly, 
you can't tell the story of your of your business and what you're doing without uh, speaking that uh, that language, and uh, the same thing goes with, uh, with 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 business acumen, knowing what's going on around you and taking the blinders down, and then you know the data the data literacy side. We're going to have a whole mini series on uh, data and digital literacy later later this year that I'm really excited for. Uh, but spoiler alert: everybody should know how or should know how to code, or at least have done just a little bit of coding in, in their lives uh, as, as you enter the workforce. Understanding how software is created uh, is, you know, to not do that is just uh, giving agency to a, a bunch of other people that know how to do that and and you have no idea what's going on do you really want to give up that kind of agency for for a future that is software artificial intelligence natural language processing blockchain you know all, all, all of that uh, that 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 kind of world that is uh, that is here and it's just going to compound in the future so these are the you know, the, the skills for you to navigate in the world of work and frankly, in the world of life, uh, these, these are just foundational. Makes uh, a lot of sense to me. And it's the pieces that make it all work, right? It, it all comes together to be, uh, your ability to navigate your day to day and both personally and in, in the business world. Um, so if we dive into financial acumen, we, we, Target in on on why we're here today. How would you define that for the layperson, for someone who just isn't aware quite yet, and and someone who needs to build their own financial acumen? Yeah. Uh, so, financial acumen is the basic understanding of the language of business and how to interpret financial results within a particular area of expertise. It's really no more difficult than that. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to talk about anxiety in this show. A lot of people have a great deal of anxiety as it relates to uh, the, especially the financials of, of what they're doing. And uh, the other phrase that comes to mind is uh, imposter syndrome, uh, you know, gosh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to stand up in front of this group. I'm going to make this presentation. I'm going to talk about these numbers, but gosh, I hope nobody really asks me a serious question because if you scratch uh, more than a thumbnail, I have no idea what's, uh, what's behind these numbers. Yep. And so many people are, are, are so afraid, uh, unneedless, you know, unnecessarily, uh, because it is, you know, it, it takes work. As you mentioned before, it is a language. It's, it's learning a, a different language. There is different terminology. We can't, yes. we can't yes, change that. <laughs> right. But, uh, but we can, we can make it uh, much less uh, scary and much more, much more approachable. Well, I, I think that's a, a great transition of where does that need to start? Where, where does that training and the, the honing of, or at least the introduction to these skills need to begin for an individual? Yeah, look, we, we need to do it in 
primary school. Yes. Uh, it, it, all the, right back to right back to the beginning. And it starts with the language of mathematics. Mathematics is the language that underlies uh, all of all of finance and accounting. So if you're scared of math, uh, then you're going to be uh, scared of, of accounting and finance. They just follow on from one another. And, you know, from, uh, from an academic perspective, we've just made mathematics uh, so unapproachable, so scary. And a lot of that, uh, you know, I, I, talk, we, I talk about, you know, starting in primary school, a lot of this messaging starts in the home. Absolutely. So, Billy, Susie come home from school uh, with mathematics uh, homework. And instead of the parent going, hey, it's been a long time. Uh, let me get back up to speed on that. Let me teach myself uh, about uh, third grade math. And then I'm going to you know, I'm going to, then I'll help you. Uh, instead it's, Oh my God, they're trying to teach you math. I have no idea what's going on and you don't need that anyway. So the kid goes back into the classroom and, uh, and, and is turned off right. to the beauty of mathematics inside the the home so imagine then the hill that the teacher has to climb <laughs> in that third grade classroom trying to convince uh, that 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 in that individual uh, that 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 child about the importance of math and then the other sin that is occurring is we're making mathematics uh, far too academic mm -hmm. early on in uh, in a child's life. And when you'll hear, we're going to talk about experiential learning over and over again. We need to make math more approachable. We need to make, make math fun, math. You know, you're, you're going to roll your eyes and laugh your ass off at me here. Oh, I said, uh, is that, is that a word that I can we're say fine. on a podcast? Yeah, we're, we're fine. fine. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm getting all excited. Um, but you know, we can make mathematics fun. And, yep. and approachable and far too many teachers make math stuffy and stodgy and, oh, well, you know, it's just a grind uh, to, to get through it when it should really be uh, a joy to learn. Best teachers make anything they're teaching accessible. Uh, and so right. making math accessible, uh, I've been lucky with my children's teachers thus far. My oldest uh, doesn't love math, but understands the necessity for it. Um, and the, the middle child loves it and makes me quiz her while I'm driving, which confuses me where I have to come up with mathematic equations while driving. But that's a different story for a different you time. Know, you know, Dan, a lot of people say, well, I'll never use this stuff again. No, it's and that work. is just a patent falsehood because- right. Yes, you're probably never going to pull out the quadratic equation in its entirety and solve a, a, prob, a, a problem, right? right. You're, you're probably never going to do that again after, after college or tech school or whatever. But the process of estimation mm -hmm. is occurring 
all the time in our lives. Our brains are estimating everything, the distance between here to that thing that I'm looking at over there and how that thing over there relates spatially to this thing over over there and how am I going to navigate from, from here to there. That's just a big geometry problem. And it, when you understand geometry or if you pl- you're playing pool, uh, pool is just a big geometry problem. And if you understand uh, some basic geometry, uh, pool is a lot more fun yes. <laughs> than, 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 it is, than it is otherwise, because you can visually see in your mind uh, how uh, the pool balls on the table are arrayed and how they would can potentially interact with one another. So math can be fun. It can be approachable and you're going to use it the rest of your life. You just don't, uh, it's just not something that is, we pull out these equations and we use them. It is more in our navigation of the world and how we're able to see it once we are mathematically uh, aware. And then the same thing happens, uh, happens with, with, with finance, but I'll shut up now. No, it's uh, reminds me of junior year of high school, went on a school trip. Uh, my math teacher was one of the chaperones and we went to play miniature golf and he probably three or four holes in a row got, you know, two or, or a hole in one. And he turned to me and goes, don't you wish you paid attention in geometry and walked away. And I was like, oh, wait, he's right. That's Don Groninger. If you're listening out there, I appreciate the lesson uh, many, many years ago. Uh, we're going to pause uh, to remind you how to find uh, the great book that uh, Andy has written. Another book is coming soon. So you'll want to stay tuned for that information as well. But I get to, after this break, find out where Andy's introduction to the world of finance came from. Be right back. Thanks for listening to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andrew Tempty. In my book, Balancing Act, Teach, Coach, Mentor, Inspire, I explore the characteristics required of leaders who must find balance between strength and vulnerability, confidence and selflessness, passion and measure, and leadership and followership. Balancing Act is available today at Amazon.com. All right, Andy, we're, we're, we're talking about primary education. We're talking about financial acumen. You talked about growing up in the world of finance. What, what was your introduction? What was the thing that even hooked you? What, what brought you into the world of finance? So I, uh, when, when, when you read my book, uh, you'll find out that, uh, my path in this life is non-traditional. I, I, I have a I have a very interesting uh, path. So I started college late. I started college uh, at uh, uh, halfway through my twenty first uh, year uh, on this planet, and so I was uh, I was behind. Uh, and I wanted to be uh, history. Uh, I wanted to teach history. Love history. Uh, but then I found out how much uh, history teachers and history professors make. Uh, it was very obvious to me being a non-traditional student that I was going to have to make money. I was deeply in love with my future wife at the time. And I'm like, I'm going to have a family. I'm terrified. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to make this work as a history teacher. So I went over to economics. Well, and I had loads of fun in, in, in economics, but then I talked to a guy named Keith Sharoni, who is one of my, uh, one of my mentors, and uh, Keith said, yeah, just like history, you're not, you want to be an economics professor, you're not going to make any money. 
doing this either. Uh, but there is this group down the hall. Uh, it's called the finance department. Why don't you know, go talk to them because if you get into the world of finance, uh, and this is back in the, in the late, late 1980s, early 1990s, the salary differential for a professor in econ and finance was, uh, it was about a 20% uh, dif- differential. So I uh, jumped ship, walked down the hall and uh, started taking my first finance courses. And the, you know, it's just a, it's almost a seamless transition between uh, economics and finance economics being uh, much more theoretical mm-hmm. and philosophical, which is cool. We need that. Uh, and finance, which is much more uh, applied and uh, applied and practical. So I, uh, I, I, I thank uh, Dr. Keith Sharoni for uh, turning me on to the world of finance. So you had a mentor of sorts. You had somebody that, that pointed you in a direction, someone to, to help you see what was out there in front of you. What advice would you give to the academic community, to the people who may be mentors, who may be pointing uh, these future leaders, these future business leaders uh, to improve financial acumen in graduates? Yeah. So first of all, we have to stop just like in our homes uh, and, you know, belittling and begrudging and pushing back on mathematics, finance, accounting. Uh, if, if you are a, a, a professor in a different discipline other than finance or accounting and, uh, and you're poo-pooing the world of finance and accounting uh, or, or saying that mathematics doesn't matter and, and you can get by without it, uh, please stop. <laughs> please stop doing that right now. That is just wholly unhelpful. Um, it might feel good in the moment uh, to help yourself feel better, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, it's certainly not helping uh, your, your students uh, be, be, be successful in, in the world of work. So, so that's ask number one is let's just change the, the language. Uh, number two, uh, and this goes to the, our math professors and our finance professors and our econ professors, uh, stop putting up these wall, artificial walls, uh, of, oh, this is super hard and super scary. And you come into my class and I'm just going to, I'm going to belittle you. I'm going to make you feel bad for not wanting to, uh, to follow my path and, you know, and not be, not get as smart about this as as I am. Uh, You know, there's, there's all of this uh, kind of mental gamesmanship that, that, that happens, uh, that, that just is wholly, wholly unhelpful. Uh, so, so message to non-finance and accounting faculty message right back to, uh, finance accounting and faculty, and then to administration generally, we need to make our educational experiences generally much more experiential, hands-on. And so uh, if, 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 you, if, if you're the head of, of an academic institution that allows a student to go from entry to graduation without being an active member in a club or uh, or or some real project 
that the students need to engage in, or better yet, uh, uh, a paid internship. Uh, if you're not getting your students out in the real world or creating those uh, experiential uh, learning opportunities that contain the language of business in them, then you're doing your students a disservice. And that needs to be a top priority for your academic institution. Makes a lot of sense. And I think even in the most humanities of topics, math exists. And so finding those access points and, and finding the right way to interweave all of these subjects together is that great learning experience, being able to do it all. Uh, what about at work, though? What well, we, we've we've grad. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Before we get to work, um, just an ex- a quick example. Yes, music, please. music yes. is mathematics. Right. So you know if you're if if you if you're in a music department and you're not making that connection uh, for for your students, uh, you know, sh- shame on you, frankly. Um, get with the program, make that connection, help, help your music students see the beauty of mathematics and how the two, uh, what they're doing, uh, is, uh, is, is all, all interrelated. I'm going to hold you to that. My middle child starts the trumpet today, so we're going to have to figure something (laughs) out when she comes home with that one. But, uh, what bit, so we've already graduated. We're we're already working. We're we're hired as a marketing person, or we're hired as you know we're we're not a math person. We've already yeah. said I've I've left that in the past. How can business leaders? How can managers improve the financial acumen of their employees across the entirety of their business? Yeah, look, it starts with leadership. You know, the culture of any organization starts at the top, uh, and uh, and so what. What, what I liked to do as a leader is I liked to use town halls and other major corporate communication events as experiential learning tools. And, and we wouldn't take the entire time as a, as a teaching opportunity, but we'd pick a concept. Uh, so my former chief financial officer, Mike Pyre, and I, we'd, we'd pick a concept and uh, like the net operating income of the business. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about net operating income, uh, we would pause for a moment and say what that number is and how it's derived and why it's important. We would talk about the why behind the numbers as much as we possibly could. And, you know, there were small bite-sized chunks, but we, we always tried to be teachers when we were imparting the important information uh, to the entire organization. So that's, you know, first and foremost, you as a leader, set the tone, set the example and use your time, you know, your valuable time in front of your teams as a teaching opportunity. The next thing you can do is invest in quality finance for non-financial professionals training. Uh, This should be mandatory in all organizations. So I'm giving a big boost to all the non-financial professionals trainers out there. And there are many. And now I'm pointing my finger at them and saying, make it more accessible, make it fun. Uh, Don't, you know, if, if your training is drudgery, uh, own up to that and, and make a change. And then finally, 
you know, we can grow financial acumen within our own department by focusing on uh, the key performance indicators that that we have to follow uh, as uh, that are part of our goals and, uh, you know, part of our contribution to the company and help your entire team. If you're the leader of a small group, help your entire team understand how those key performance indicators are created. What are the numbers that go into them? How what's the data that then drives uh, those numbers? And just you know, start small and just keep keep on uh, using those examples and growing that knowledge slowly but surely. And if you make it real for people, then it'll start to stick. So I love it. Yeah, I you know we we've been talking for uh, twenty minutes now or so, and what. You know, you're not a financial professional. You've lived no. a lot of the things that I'm talking about. Yes. What did what did we miss today? Well, it, it's uh, fascinating. My first job was in finance. I worked for BlackRock or Merrill Lynch Investment Managers in operations. So I was bringing on these accounts with very large numbers of zeros at the end of them and putting them into systems. And without a real full understanding of that implication, but also how it influence the bottom line, right? Where where all this money went and how it was tracked and how it was worked with. And um, I sought that knowledge out because I am, I like the question why. I, I'm somebody who likes asking why, why are we doing this? Why is this process this way? Why does this work this way? But I, I think you've covered off on, the big thing when this topic comes up for me is schooling. And I do think there's a deficit in American schools in personal financial education. Balancing a checkbook, understanding your monthly bills, how is a mortgage calculated? Like the actual like compound interest stuff that you don't really need to know, right? But it just makes it easier to live in this world having that knowledge. I'd love to see more of that. And I think the big thing that comes across to me is access. And you, you, we talked about it. You discussed the the CEO or the leadership team talking in town halls. But finding ways to ha give access to these numbers and give access to why it matters to people who otherwise may not have an everyday access to it, I just think is so important to buy in to caring about the bottom line. It's really easy as a what I'll call a worker bee, someone who's they're at their nine to five, they're not looking to be a manager, they're looking to you know do their job, go home, eat some steak, watch a baseball game, and then go back and do it tomorrow. Um, it's really easy to say, I, I don't need to care about that. I'm doing my job, yeah. uh, whatever, but all of it levels up, all of it levels up. And so if I'm doing my job, my manager gets to do her job, their manager, it just gets to go up the chain. So giving access. And, um, I think something that you, you hit upon is use more analogies. I, I think it's so easy for financial people to just say, here are the numbers. Yeah. But, uh, a, a former colleague of ours, I know a good friend of yours, but I, admire him to the, the day I die, John Polstein, uh, JP at, at Kaplan was so good as a CEO because he made relatable analogies to what was happening. Yep. And so we were able to understand, oh, okay, I get it. Now he used baseball analogies, so he spoke to me very well, but um, it, it was great to have that access and to have that ability to, and he would change them. You know, he'd make sure he was talking to different audiences and making sure to, to discuss. So um, maybe just call JP and, and get him to, to, to talk to your teams. But uh, I, I think this is a great topic and one that I think will really hit home uh, with those listening. 
Yeah, and I, just before we wind up uh, and you do our, our outro here, um, you know, we don't talk about politics much, uh, if at mm-hmm. all, on, on this show. But this, this conversation of uh, finance, accounting, uh, and economics and the importance of it yes. uh, is really ringing true right now. We're, we're in a high inflationary environment and there's all, and, you know, politicians like, to uh, blame others mm-hmm. uh, for whatever's going on uh, because it garners votes. But if we were all more financially aware uh, and had greater financial acumen, which means greater economic uh, acumen as well as, as a follow on, uh, we would know, you would know that uh, a politician that's saying that inflation was caused by the president, for example, you, you would know that that is just, total uh malarkey malarkey yep there it is <laughs> it's just it's just total malarkey because you would you would then go oh yeah you know the pandemic uh it disrupted every supply and demand curve uh, on the planet, not just here in the United States. And a supply, uh, a, a demand curve is a plot of price against quantity. And yep. you would see P and Q directly interrelating with one another and supply is disrupted, disrupted uh, significantly. So where's price going to go? It's <laughs> Uh, depending on the elasticity, the price is likely to, to go up. So, and, and is that one person's fault or one political party's fault? Uh, certainly there are contributing factors, right. uh, you know, government spending certainly has, uh, has, has an, has an impact, but it's not the sole cause. And so we would, we would start to see pushback against these black and white, uh, you're wrong. I'm right. And you'd, you'd see people saying, you know, look, it's much more nuanced than this. Can, can we start getting more to root cause and how we can come together to solve these challenges? That's, that's what financial acumen will do in your business. That's what it would do from a political perspective and, and in our homes, improving this skill, just raises all, uh, raises us all up. I, I smell a, a future book in your future, the balancing act, fixing politics in America. I think, <laughs> I think that's, it's, we, we, we got it. We, we, we can print it right now. It's just done. Yeah, it's uh, done. I couldn't agree. I could not agree more with what you just said. Um, all of these pieces, all of these pieces of education and learning and, and, um, self-realization is, is incorrect, but the, just being able to critically think, by having an understanding of how yeah. things work uh, is just so important in, in every day to day and, and particularly important right now with what you're exactly right with um, the the financial process that we're seeing play out at our grocery stores, at the, you know, uh, gas pump. The, yes, it's really easy to point a finger and say you're to blame, not you, Andy, but the, whoever you're pointing across the aisle at. Um, but just having a better understanding of how things work. Uh, I think just goes, has helped me a lot and just being able to have conversations and plan and understand my grocery bills going up and why it's going up and how to try to be, be more mindful of that. But uh, a conversation to continue. Uh, these podcasts are obviously available across your favorite podcasting app. If for whatever reason you have an app that you're not seeing it on, please message Andy on LinkedIn, reach out, let us know. We'll be sure to add it. Uh, you can find, of course, uh, all of this great content, the Saturday morning news, uh, links on LinkedIn, 
And of course, uh, that, that book, The Balancing Act, is uh, available across Amazon, all your different book outlets. Like, subscribe, share, tag Andy uh, on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter and on LinkedIn as well. Feel free to tag uh, and ask questions. Uh, we can, of course, cover topics like that in the future. Until next time, you've been listening to The Balancing Act. <laughs>